Hey, welcome in, and uh, I honestly have no idea why that's still playing. Use uh, the sound is for some reason still playing. We're going to uh, see if we can figure out how to take that music away. At some point. Hey, welcome in, and uh, I honestly have. Okay, hey, technical uh, solution for you guys. Don't have the YouTube show open in the uh, background uh, because it screws everything up. So we're, the, the week is off to an excellent start here on the Weekend Recap. Uh, I am Gabe DeArm, and this is the Weekend Recap brought to you by True Sun Exteriors and Interiors. Mitchell Forty going to be along in just a second uh, after returning from Boston. But first, uh, choosing the wrong construction company can feel like losing by fifth down or maybe losing in overtime and throwing an interception. It's a gut punch nobody should deal with, but it happens all the time. Save yourself the heartache. Call the good guys at True Sun Exteriors and Interiors, a local company with hometown pride that cares most about your experience and satisfaction with the finished product. Call them today at 573-442-7292. And if you call them, you can commiserate with them about Missouri football because they are Missouri fans. They are as upset as a number of you guys were uh, probably on Saturday evening and according to Fresh TL, still on Monday afternoon. Uh, yeah, Mitch, I don't know. Same story two weeks later, right? They go on the road, hang in, have the ball, think they have a chance, and then get beat in the final minutes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Fairly uh, eerily similar to that Kentucky game. Um, and, you know, it, it was interesting. It was obviously two very evenly matched teams. Um, I thought your point was correct that if they each play 10, if they play each other 10 times, they probably each win five. Um, and it was, you know, kind of one of those games where it was like, I don't want to say boring, but like, you know, long possessions, no one kind of getting a stop like the whole time. And then the fourth quarter was just like crazy. It was like, oh, Boston College is going to win. All right, I'm going to go ahead and start writing. Oh, nope, Mizzou's going to win. I'm going to go ahead and start writing. Oh, nope, Boston College won in regulation. Oh, nope, we're going to overtime. Oh, the interception. So it was it was interesting. Um, I thought it was a good game. I know Missouri fans probably aren't super thrilled with how, how it turned out. And we're going to get to, uh, you know, who needs to be fired and crucified and all that here shortly. Yeah, good game, definitely entertaining. Um, I thought really two average to above average college football teams. I mean, like middle – I don't think either one of them is a threat to win their conference, although Boston College might be because I'm not sure the ACC actually has a good team in it. Um, Missouri certainly not a threat to win the SEC this year, but evenly matched teams and offenses that made a lot of plays, um, defenses that – made a couple along the way not a lot um so let's start there Boston College takes the 34-31 lead and you know I saw and I understand why people are saying this because football has really become a situation where almost always I would rather be a fan of the team that is behind by four with the ball with a minute left than the team that's ahead by four on defense with a minute left. So I understand why fans are saying, just let them score, just let them score, just let them score. I also understand why with a four-point lead, a coach is not going to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and, and Mizzou had actually gotten a stop on the previous possession, although that was a long time before that because Boston College's last possession was long. Um, I know you made this point on the, on the post-game show. I actually got a chance to listen this weekend. Uh, and the, the, I said the exact same thing when the offensive face mask penalty happened. I was like, oh, I think that's bad for Missouri. I think they're going to now score with like 30 seconds left. 
Um, I, I will say, you know, obviously, I don't think they should have let him score. I do think you can kind of split the difference there by using your timeouts maybe a little bit more effectively. Uh, ultimately, it did not come back to haunt Missouri. You know, they, they executed that last drive perfectly. And it was good that they had one of those timeouts, given how little time they ended up having left. Um, that uh, obviously helped get Harrison Mebus into range. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, the real issue is the fact that Boston College was able to get the ball with six minutes left, and you knew there was a pretty good chance they could march down the field, use up all the clock, and score a touchdown. Well, the thing about calling timeouts, and that's where the offensive face mask comes in. If they're first and goal at the nine with two minutes left, you're absolutely calling timeouts because they need a, a, a touchdown, and there's only four plays left. But once they're back at the 25-yard line, there theoretically could be eight plays left, and if you've called your timeouts and they get a first down at the 12, there's nothing you can do. You just sit there and watch them, watch and hope they don't win on the last play of the game. So I didn't actually have a problem with not calling the timeouts. And, look, it's one of those things where when it works, like LSU last year, he is praised for having balls of steel and, and believing in his team and all that. And then when it doesn't work, like on Saturday, it's – what in the world is he doing? Um, I think right. and it also it, it also did end up working Saturday right, too. True. I mean, it forced overtime. So. Right, and uh, that's where I want to go. Like it is amazing to me at all levels of football. It's more in college because the clock stops, but in what you can get done in twenty five seconds. I, I mean, yeah, Basilak takes them down the field and frankly did it after missing a throw on first down that would have made the drive quite a bit easier. But he gets them to the thirty nine yard line and. I don't think it should be lost. That was a perfectly executed drive by Basilak, by Bannister, by Kiki Chisholm, and by Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, those last day, and I saw, I watched the post game this morning and saw somebody did ask him about it. it Might have been you, but getting those extra three yards on that out pass to Bannister, they don't get to overtime without that pass because that kick was good from 56 and it was not going to be good from 59. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I, so going back to your first point, I actually think if you're going to get mad at Drinkwitz about timeout usage, it might have been worse that he didn't take a timeout at the end of the first half because Mizzou could have got the ball back with, I think, like 50 seconds left or something yeah. like that, and he just let uh, BC run it down to 10 seconds and kick that field goal. Like, you know, to your point, like 35 seconds is all you need to get in field goal range when you got a kicker like that. If you know you're going to be playing a close game, why not at least give it a shot? If you, you know, if it doesn't work out on the first play, you, you know, you take a sack or something like that, fine, whatever. You can let the clock run out because BC only had one timeout. But anyway, yeah, that last drive was really well executed. And then I think goes to the, the points, you know, that, that a lot of people, including us, have been kind of trying to make since this game is, yes, the quarterback made two bad throws that ended up costing you in this game because the margin of error was pretty slim. The offense and, and Connor Bates like did a lot of things right. They, you know, they that last drive was was really well done. Um, so, you know, and and they obviously scored thirty four points, which it is you know not a given in football. So yeah, I uh, I was impressed certainly that Mizzou was at least able to to rally there. And that's twice now in fifteen career starts that Bazelak has taken them at least forty yards with less than a minute left, and Mevis has made a decently long field goal to either tie or win the game. I mean. That's something you can start to almost count on. Like, hey, if we're within a score in the last two minutes, we've got a chance. We've, we've got something to feel good about. And, and that shouldn't be oh, – look, there's no moral victories, and certainly in a pick 'em game, it hurts that Missouri lost it. But I, I think overall uh, that you feel good about. Um, what do you feel good about on defense? What worked there? Uh, not very much. Um, <laughs> really, very little. I mean, like, 
it's, it's just one of these things like, um, you know, it, it, people are going to get tired of us saying the same things and talking about the same things. They're going to get tired of the coaches saying the same things. But, like, they just got pushed around. I mean, like, yep. every single play, it seemed like, Boston College's offensive line was shoving guys downfield, like, three, four, five yards. I mean, it was extremely noticeable. Um, and, and Boston College does have a good offensive line, but at this point, we've seen it from everyone. You know, Central Michigan did it, and their offensive line is not looking like any. I mean, I haven't watched them play any other games, but like, I, I don't think you know, I don't think their offensive line is loaded with NFL prospects like Boston College's allegedly is. So like, that doesn't really make you feel any better. And when another team is able to run the ball like that, you gotta do something to adjust. And I, I do think I, you know, I've seen some people say like. You know, Mizzou's just doing the same thing. I think they've tried to adjust. I mean, they, you know, they put eight guys in the box. They blitz a ton, and I think they have to keep doing that. But then you're asking cornerbacks to cover receivers, you know, one-on-one. You're you're opening up, obviously, the door for a lot of other things. You're, you know, leaving open lanes for a quarterback to scramble um, if he can get out on the edge. And so, you know, that's ultimately the kinds of things that beat Missouri. And Eli Drinkwood said that after the game. I asked him about that, too, and he, he was just like, yeah, I mean, you know, when you when you put eight guys in the box, you're you're going to be putting in a bad situation on the back end. And credit to them, they you know they noticed that they called that play in overtime and took advantage of it. Well, and I did notice the one drive, the one stop that Missouri got in the second half. Steve Wilkes put eight guys in the box, and he blitzed the hell out of Dennis Grossell, and it worked. Mm-hmm. They got a three and out. Now, look, if you do that every, se- you can do that every series, and Missouri might have to. They might just have to mm-hmm. say, hey, we're just going to have to put eight guys in the box and pray. Um, You are going to get beat sometimes, like you were just saying, Mm -hmm. and I think it almost becomes a thing, would you rather just die quickly or would you rather, you know, have a long, slow, painful death? Um, Mm -hmm. I I guess in the end it doesn't really matter. Either way, you get killed. But, um, you know, I I do think that Missouri fans almost have come to the point where they're like, I'd rather give up a 60-yard pass than just watch them run for seven every single time they touch the ball because that 67-yard touchdown run by BC, I don't know if you've gone back or had a replay that you could see. I'm not – they didn't get shoved backwards, but the the BC offensive line was blocking down to the right. Kobe Whiteside and Nikhil Byers were shoved three to four yards off their spot there. And then, you know, Isaiah McGuire just gets moved a little bit, and all of a sudden you've got Ish Burdine in the hole trying to make a tackle that – he didn't make whether he can make it yeah. or not. I don't know, but he didn't. Yeah, I will go back to you know that stop in the second half too. What I think was the biggest key is just they they stopped the run on first down. Right. And, you know, Boston yep. College ran for like one yard, and you know then it all of a sudden is a lot easier because you go, okay, this team's probably going to pass. Although if I was Boston College, mm-hmm. honestly, I would have run on second down again yeah. too. But uh, yeah, I mean like that that's the key. I mean Boston College all day was running for you know three to 10 yards on first down. And then it just becomes impossible because, you know, you, you can't get after the quarterback if you're blitzing. Like a lot of times it just becomes ineffective. So yeah, I think that that was the biggest thing. And um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I initially, you know, watching and, and on that long touchdown, there was some missed tackles and Jalen Carlisle had a chance at the end was, was more thinking like, Oh man, there's a tackling issue, but definitely as the game went on. And as I've kind of looked back at a few things, since I do think, I mean, the biggest issue was just the guys were getting moved and no one was there to fill in the giant holes that were being formed. Right. And and the frustration, I think, not only from the fans' perspective, but from our perspective, or at least mine, I, I'm very upfront. Look, there's a lot of things we can't watch in a game. I'm not going to go watch, go back and watch the all 22 four times. I, so the question becomes, is this a scheme issue or is it a talent issue? And the fact of the matter is, Eli Drinkwitz was asked that question. He's not going to answer it. 
I, I mean, he kind of gave you a little lean toward it's a personnel issue, but he's not going to just kill the kids on his team. He's not going to throw his defensive coordinator under the bus. And even just being able to watch the game, we don't really have enough information to answer that question because I don't know what Blaze Aldridge or Devin Nicholson's specific responsibilities are. On the broadcast, they were making it sound like this entire defense is based on everybody has a gap. Like pre-snap, this is your gap, and this is what you do. And it almost made it sound like, okay, well, if one guy's not in his gap or if one guy misses a tackle, then this is going to go for a long run. I will say, if that analysis is accurate, you can't do that with college with most college players. And you definitely can't do it with the college players Missouri has on this defense because we've seen four work, weeks of proof it doesn't work. Now, again, I don't know for sure if that's accurate, but if it is, then I do lean toward, like, you got to figure something different out. Yeah, not even more general than that. You know, I, I've, I've said consistently, I think the issue is more so the personnel. I just don't think they have the guys. In and as we've said many times, if you can't get off a block, there's no defense that's going to really work. But I, I do think that, obviously, I mean, it can't all be all talent because there's certainly other, I think there's other teams out there who Mizzou has at least as much talent as who aren't giving up 270 rushing yards a game. Right. I mean, they're last. Like, it's not that it's not that I think people expected Steve Wilkes to come in and turn this, you know, a, a group of guys that maybe doesn't have the talent into like, you know, a top 15 defense. It's just like if they could just be bad, they'd be OK. Right. But instead, they're the worst. <laughs> and I, I honestly said I thought that would get better. And obviously, there's still time. But, you know, after the Kentucky game, I was like, I, Kentucky's got a good offensive line. You know, let's not panic. They're not going to stay the la- like last in the country. But they have. It's got it's been just as bad. And. And so, you know, yeah, it's, it is definitely on the coaches at some point to, you know, make some tweaks that at least improve it a little bit and make it so the other team can't hand the ball off every play. And I wrote about this a little bit this morning. I think, and look, I've got a lot of experience watching a team that is probably the best in the country or the best in the league on one side of the ball and very much not that on the other side of the ball. And I'm not saying Missouri has the country's best offense, but I think when we watch a team that's so clearly slanted toward one side of the ball as far as their talent, we tend to, rather than blame the side that's not good enough, we tend to almost focus more on the side that is actually doing a pretty good job and say, well, they're not perfect, so they they lost too. And look, the offense did contribute a little bit. There were some things they could have done better, but overall – Missouri played a good enough game on offense to win that in regulation. Yeah, absolutely. And they, they played good enough on offense to win all their games, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the common denominator there, if we want to go ahead and complete the Chiefs analogy, because I caught the second half of that game yesterday, was, you know, when you've got a defense that's struggling, the, you know, the the margin for error for the offense is so slim and turnovers become such a big deal. I mean, it's just you you can't waste possessions because you're not going to get enough stops. And, you know, I, I, I put in the game preview for this Boston College thing and I'm not really patting myself on the back here because this is like extremely elementary football analysis. But I was like, if they lose the turnover margin, they're not winning this game. Like whichever, if yeah. one team wins the turnover margin, that team's going to win this game because there's two evenly matched teams. Like, sure enough. So that's that's kind of a good place to lead into wrapping up the, the look back at this game. So what did you think of the play call in overtime? Because as soon as Basilak cocked his arm and I could see where he was looking, I said, oh, my God, why is he throwing to the end zone? I, I, it, I didn't understand it. 
Yeah, I, I still don't really understand it. And, you know, we're, we're never going to know for sure whether or not, like, you know, what what was the call? What's the play? What's Basilak's first read? Did Drinkwitz call the play thinking that was what he was going to do with the ball? And obviously he was asked that post game, but he's not going to just throw his quarterback right under the bus like that. I, I'm, I'm sure he'll be asked something about it again tomorrow. But, um, I, I mean, yeah, I was surprised mainly because that's just not what Mizzou's offense does. Right. I mean, like, it all day, it's like throw underneath, throw underneath, take the check down. And, and people get frustrated with that, but they do that pretty well. And, and when you're when already Baselak, on the 25-yard line, it's going to work probably. Right. That's the thing. Like, when when Baselak had to throw downfield, like, he got he had the one uh, decent, I think it was like a, I don't know, 40-yard completion to Towski Dove. But the other two times, the fleet flicker was extremely underthrown, which I will say, I do think he kind of had trouble hand, getting a grip on the ball after he got the pitch back to him. But that should have been um, a touchdown. Right. And then the deep pass to Bear Bannister was late and, and a turnover. So, like, you know, you're you're basically one for three at that point. And there was a couple other incompletions, too. So, like, one for five at that point in a time when you really need to stick with what you do, stick with what's been working, get the ball to Tyler Beatty, throw a little, you know, out route or something like that. Like, get the drive going. Like, you don't need it all in one play. Um, and so maybe, you know, and, and there was a sense, I, I know there was a sense among the offense that they needed to go win that game because Connor Baselak said, like, we needed a touchdown and we were going to score for, go for two and win that game. I think maybe just, you know, showed a little bit of youth there and trying to do it all in one play. Yeah. And, and look, that play actually could have worked. If he throws it over the other shoulder, there's a chance Chisholm makes that catch. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, I mean, he had a five inch height advantage, all that. My, my biggest issue maybe on it was, I mean, they had seven guys protecting. Like, Tyler Beatty was blocking nobody for a lot of that play. Why, why not just leak him out into the flat so if Chisholm is not immediate – and, again, we don't know, like, what his assignment was. Maybe he was supposed to do that and didn't. We can't say for sure. But, right. you know, um, it, hey, it turned out the way it turned out. So, you know, we blame the play call, which is maybe fair, maybe not fair. Uh, that, that was the one other thing. You brought it up. They were going to go for two. I mean, I like it. Um, I think it's also easy to say after the fact, you know, when it when you didn't have to do it. But I think they would have because I think Eli Drinkwitz knew if we give Boston College the ball on the 25-yard line, they're going to score every single time. And then if we give them the ball on the three-yard line, they're probably going to get a two-point conversion every single time. Yeah, no, I, I believe it because, I mean, yeah, it wasn't even Drinkwitz who said it. It was Baselak, so I'm right. sure he had been told that from Drinkwitz. So the other thing I'll say just real quick about that last play, and I, I kind of feel bad that, you know, we ended up beating it so much to death because obviously, you know, that, that wasn't the biggest issue with this right. game. It was the other side of the ball. But if you're going to keep seven guys in to protect, go through your reads. you got time. If you know you've got max protection, you don't need to, like, you know, the, the play where you take, you know, take the snap and just throw a fade to the guy who's taller, that's when you think you're getting blitzed and you're saying, okay, I'm going to, on this down, either it's going to be incomplete or my guy's going to come down with it. Like, that, when you have max protect and you've got, you know, guys, two defenders blocking, two offensive guys blocking a few defenders, you can go through your reads and maybe hit Daniel Parker over the middle. Yeah, so uh, not great. We'll take a, a couple of the questions and comments on this game before we kind of move on to everything else in college football. Cam says would prefer to move for Mookie to not be posting things like he did on Instagram. Um, so if Mookie Cooper posted a thing on Instagram Saturday night that said something along the lines of sure would like to play some wide receiver. I think he had 11 snaps on Saturday. Um, he had one touch. Uh, I know you said at the game you thought he was hurt. Before we get into whether this is a big deal or not, let me say that this is clearly no more than the second most offensive thing posted on social media by a guy who used to play football at Ohio State this weekend. So, you know, it, it could be a lot worse. 
That is true. And yeah, to clarify, I, I thought he was maybe hurt, not because I saw him like right. anything like him limping, but I, he just didn't play at all in the second half. I don't think he was on the field in the second half. So yeah, we were wondering among the press box where he was. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like my initial thought is just like, man, maybe he's still, you know, getting back from the foot, just not explosive enough yet. But uh, clearly he doesn't think that's the right. case, at least based on his Instagram comments and tempers do flare after a loss. Like, you know, I wouldn't read too much into it. I don't think like he's going to transfer again or anything like that, but Certainly, I, I I will say I haven't seen him do anything that warrants that suggests he needs to be playing over these other guys who are playing wide receiver. I mean, Mizzou's got a lot of them, and I've yet to see Mookie Cooper like make anyone miss. Right. I mean, Towski Dove averaged 29 yards a catch on Saturday. Barrett Bannister put them in position to win the game. Kiki Chisholm made a ridiculous catch on that last drive and was the target on the touchdown. I who's who's he replacing here? You know, right. uh, I mean, yeah. at, now that's not to say there wasn't a series in the third quarter he could play, but you know, it, in crunch time, he's not one of the top three right now. Um, and, and really, I think who he, the guys he's competing with touches for are, are the slot guys, Bannister and Looper and Tyler Beatty. Cause he used, right. they used him the same way they used Tyler Beatty. And if you're going to tell me Beatty needs less touches, I just, especially right. in, in crunch time and high leverage situations, I'm going to say, no, he's their best player. Give me and, the ball. and speaking of Tyler Beatty, I mean, like, Let's not pretend what Mookie posted on social media was all that bad. Like, ideally, right. would yeah. you wish he wouldn't? Sure. But I I, I know uh, I got a text from a guy that used to play at Missouri. He said, I played with guys who, who posted something like that at, literally after every game for two years, and they went on to be really good players. Tyler Beatty has made a career out of making people think he's going to transfer on social media. I mean, he just—he's done it every single year. So and now he's the best he player. Like a post, like I'm going to announce where I'm going to be playing football next year. Yes, and then it was Missouri. yes, legitimately. Like, hey, big announcement coming. I'm staying. Well, was there some thought you weren't staying? You know, it's, but I mean, he's legitimately done it every off season. So my point is, I. He's Mookie's 20 years old, man. I mean, I'm sure Drinkwitz probably will talk to him and say, hey, you know, maybe don't do that. Maybe if you've got an issue, come talk to me. And is it going to cost him a series in the next game? It might, but but I don't think it's a major deal either. Exactly. Yeah, no, that, that stuff happens. I mean, no one's happy when, when a team loses. And I will say this. I just kind of thought of it again. Uh, I know that some people questioned kind of Connor Baselak's fire after the game. I, I guess he was like seen saying, hey, to the, the BC quarterback, he was like, sad after the game which is rare for him he never shows emotion he i thought he was gonna cry at one point so like i i think he took the loss pretty uh, harder than you did it's safe to say well and also like i mean the other quarterback came over and, and said hi and and connor congratulated him there's nothing wrong with that i mean it, you know yesterday nick bolton and larry roundtree swapped jerseys on the field is Nick Bolton a bad person because his team lost and he did that with his college teammate? Of course not. You know, I, I think we read way too much. We're just looking for reasons. We want we want them to outwardly be as mad as we are that they lost. You know, and I say we collectively, not we, you and me. Um, but one more on this because I, I, this is kind of interesting, I think, to talk about, and then we'll move on to kind of the rest of the weekend. But Kyle says, my biggest worry is the underwhelming start of the season will slow down momentum that was building with recruiting and the fan base. And I think it's a legitimate concern. I don't – look, Luther Burden is not – being sold on we're going to go 10 and 2 this year come play here he knows that he knows if if the idea is luther burden wants to win the most games he can win well he's not coming to missouri he's going to georgia or alabama there's zero question if that's what it's about with him so i don't think six and six kills your recruiting class 
what can start to impact it is, okay, they're 2-2 two and two and they come back for Tennessee. What if there's 41,000 in the stands? And then what if they lose that? And what if there's 37,000 for homecoming? That type of stuff does start. And, and I want to be clear. I'm not saying that, hey, this is on you to spend your money and go to the games. They have to give you a reason. But also, Missouri is 2-2 two and two with two one-score losses to teams that are at least as good as they are. This is not a wheels-off-the-bus situation. If, if you view this as a disastrous first four weeks of the season, that is on you and what you expected far more than what they have done on the football field. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, so to your first point, I, I mean, these kids are not idiots. They're not being, you know, they're not under the impression that Mizzou was going to win the national title this year. And, and because the know, coaches aren't idiots and the coaches are being exactly. realistic with them. Right. Yeah. Like kids who want to win a national, whose number one goal is to win a national title, go to Bama. And, you know, most kids aren't good enough to do that. It does, does actually just so happen that Luther Burton is, but still. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and then to your second point, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, and, and we talked about this before the game, that, that this loss does hurt a little bit from a fan moment to first standpoint. And I can't argue with that. I mean, like, you know, it, it is less exciting to now say, oh, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll go to the Belt Bowl or I don't even know what bowls are with the, the SEC anymore. The, you know, the Liberty Bowl, like that's, I guess, as good as this season's going to get. I, I understand how that's not very fun as a fan and that doesn't get you fired up to maybe, you know, spend money and drive four hours or something like that to come see a game. But it, it, it is important for just for the program, yeah, to put some people in the seats and to have people there when these recruits come to visit, absolutely. And, and I can tell you, this is not speculation on my part. The people in Drinkwitz's first two recruiting classes, the kids, they were 100% being told, look, this is going to be a process. Do not judge us on our record on the football field this year. I, 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 that's absolutely what they were told. And uh, look, it, it, it's not fun to go through a building process. But the simple fact of the matter is most places that fire a coach, that's what, that's the situation you're in. It takes a minute, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, real quick, before we move on to the rest of the college football weekend, which we will do in a minute, just want to remind you guys, uh, speaking of building things, true sun exteriors and interiors is your place for any home remodeling project you might have voted the best of Columbia by inside Columbia magazine. Again, this year, full service construction company, they will do roof siding decks, four season rooms, screen porches, additions, doors and windows on the outside on in, on the interiors. Hey, they redid both our bathrooms. They've redone the entire lower floor of my house. Uh, they can do, Pretty much anything on the inside of your house as well. That's why uh, it is called exteriors and interiors. So give them a call at 573-442-7292 and they can take care of any rebuild and remodel that you might have. And uh, speaking of rebuilds, um, look, I'm not going to say that I thought Sam Pittman was a great hire when it was made, but holy crap, man. I Like they're the story of college football right now. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I, I, I mean, I didn't think they would beat Texas, but even when they did, I was like, ah, all right, I'll, I'll wait a little right. bit before jumping on the bandwagon. And, uh, yeah, they, they, I guess it sounds like at least they dismantled Texas A&M. I did not watch a snap of that game, of course, because I was writing from the, the Mizzou game, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a top 10 team and, and they have the resume to back it up. And, uh, Definitely didn't see that one coming. I, I will say, I, I do think that plays a little bit into uh, into the role of, as you mentioned, people who earlier are saying like, oh man, this season is not going as well as I thought. All of a sudden, now it looks looking more gloomy. Part of it maybe was their expectations, but also, yeah, that game is a 
look a little more challenging for Mizzou. And part of it might be Missouri's defensive line being fairly dreadful. The all-SEC pass rusher having one sack and being basically no factor for four weeks. And then turning on Arkansas A&M and all of a sudden Trey Williams looks like an All-American. Like, it's fair to say that's better than any game he ever had in a Missouri uniform, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I will say, I mean, good for good for Trey. He's a kid oh, yeah. who always had the talent. And I think maybe he just needed the, the wake-up call of like, dude, this is your last shot. I mean, he didn't even originally transfer to Arkansas, I believe. He was going to Houston. He was going to Houston. And, uh, yeah, somehow that fell apart. And uh, Barry Odom, you know, his, his former coach gave him a spot there. And uh, yeah, he's definitely making the most of it. So good for him. But yeah, I'm sure as a Mizzou fan, that is a little bit hard to stomach. Yeah, I think that was a big part of it. Um, and look, the other, the flip side of this Arkansas thing is, I mean, their next three games are like Auburn, Georgia, Alabama, I think, or something. It, it's pretty brutal. Um, mm-hmm. They've also got LSU at some point and Ole Miss at some point. You know, like they could be, they could be the best seven and five football team I think I've ever seen by the end of this thing. But it also leads to a bigger point. I Texas might be good. I don't know for sure. I'm pretty sure Texas A&M isn't really all that good. And that's I'm not trying to take away from Arkansas for winning that game. Hey, they went and they did it. But this is starting to look a whole lot like 2007 where it's like, okay, you got Georgia and Alabama and then I don't really know what else you have. Like, I don't know who else I think is good. Yeah, I agree to an extent, except 2007, you actually didn't have a single didn't even team have that. anyone knew it was right. good. This year, you're you're at least like, okay, well, there's still Alabama, right. and then Georgia also is. I mean, the, the, watching the score, just seeing the score update against Vanderbilt was comical. It was like, it was like what, like 28 nothing with like four minutes in or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was I mean, 35 nothing in the first quarter. Yeah, so really, really just good entertainment there. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree. No, there's – and it's kind of fun. There's no one really behind those two teams who you look at and say, like, oh, yeah, like that team's – that team's, you know, you know that, that team could win it all. And so um, I do think I agree that Arkansas probably doesn't end up, like, you know, in the playoff conversation or in the West con- – winning the West conversation or anything like that. But I, I still don't think, you, you know, that takes away from the fact that they obviously are – you know, they're, they're enjoying something that they haven't had there in quite a while and uh, definitely, definitely building some momentum there. And, and frankly, so is Boston College. I mean, 4-0 for the first time yeah. since that 07 season. And that's why that was, I mean, rushing the field was a little bit ridiculous. Oh, that was fairly poor. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a little bit insane. But, um, you know, I, I tweeted late on Saturday night that NC State was the second SEC, or ACC team to rush the field. And that one actually made sense. Uh Man, My theory is like, that had that game like ended, uh, what was it? They were at 27-17. Had that game ended 27-17, they would not have done it, but it was just an exciting, exciting ending. I agree. Um, and then NC State rushing the field, I mean, it's, you know, it makes sense. It's Clemson, but, dude, Clemson ain't Clemson. Like, I, they're not only are they not great, I don't even know if they're good. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't seem that way. They can't, they can't score. Again, I... I watched none of these other games. But, I actually watched quite yeah, a bit I mean, like, on Saturday. Yeah, no, it's uh, they, Clemson has issues. I mean, um, it, it, it definitely makes you respect Trevor Lawrence and yeah. you know that he was able to get them to to the playoff last year because I don't think the roster is that drastically different outside of that. I mean, I know they him had a couple of Travis guys Etienne, drafted, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, and then the other team that I don't <laughs> really know is any good, and just proof that fans are the same everywhere. Like, dude, Oklahoma's booing Spencer Rattler and doing chants for his backup in the third quarter. Um, yeah. That's rough. 
Yeah, I, I will say I was never sold on Spencer Rattler. I Everyone agree. was talking about how good he was, and I was like, I've never seen it. But yes, that also does show that yeah, the backup quarterback is always the most popular yeah. man, and we're seeing it even a little bit here after Connor Bezlack threw for three hundred yards. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good things about having fans back. Chanting the backup quarterback's name for a four and zero top ten team not the best part of having fans back, really. You know. Yeah, I'm, I can't imagine Lincoln Riley loved that. Yeah, yeah, I know a bunch of his. Uh, teammates have have kind of jumped to his defense on social media um a lot of good games this weekend we'll we'll worry about him a little bit later in the week but kind of want to just bring it back to Mizzou and and wrap it up with this I mean the next game's always the biggest game right but what happens in one game then determines kind of how important the next game is and for Missouri I mean this is it's not really a stretch for me to say this game is the season if you lose this game, there is zero chance you can even be in the neighborhood of the season you wanted to have. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And I, I also, I mean, like, I don't want to, like, you know, set off alarm bells and be like, oh, my gosh, guys, like, Tennessee's, like, maybe pretty good. Like, I don't I don't actually know if they're any good. Think Their they're two good. wins have been over terrible teams. They lost to Pitt, who I don't know is anything special. But, yeah, if you suddenly do they lose lost this to one. Right. If, if, if you do suddenly lose this one, yeah, I definitely think that you're starting to say like, oh, gosh, I'm not sure this team's going to a bowl game. Yeah. And the way we'll talk more about this later in the week, but I saw somebody bring this up on our message board. And I actually had said the same thing to someone on Saturday. Tennessee might be the best team Missouri can possibly play because I don't know that Josh Heupel like I don't know if it's in his DNA to just sit there and say, yeah, we're not going to throw. We're just going to hand the ball off 64 times straight up the middle. Yeah. Yeah. I will say they're running the ball a lot this year. Yeah. Uh, I actually looked at the numbers this morning. They're running the ball like way more than they're passing it. But yeah, it's it's different. To, obviously, it's a completely different style of running game than what Boston College and Kentucky do. And you're not, you know, really in the in, you don't really risk having your defense out on the field for, you know, I don't know, like what Boston College had, what, five drives of over five minutes, uh, I, right? I think, or something like that the other day, or at least four. So, yeah, that's that's absolutely not happening against a Josh Heupel team. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see, I mean, not only what happens on Saturday, but just kind of to see Eli Drinkwitz's, you know, approach. and Because uh, he seemed, he was discouraged in the postgame on Saturday. Fair to say? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he, he seemed he, he seemed like he took that one pretty hard. And it, obviously, you know, we're talking to him like minutes after the game right. is over. So, you know, there's just some emotion there. But, yeah, he I, I agree. I don't think he was feeling super great about that. <laughs> All right, so back at it. Um, appreciate uh, you guys watching along. Mitch, we'll, uh, we'll let you run, and we will see you about noon tomorrow at Eli Drinkwitz's press conference. want to remind the rest of you guys, before you do take off, to do a couple things. First of all, hit the like button on the show. Hit the subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Uh, that's going to give us more exposure. More people will see what we do. Maybe next time I'll figure out the, uh, you know, the technical uh, deal and close the window before the show starts. But um, also want to thank True Sun Exteriors and Interiors for being a part of this show all throughout the college football season. Every Monday, Mitch and I are here to wrap up what happened in Mizzou and then uh, kind of take a quick 10-minute look around the country as well. Uh, you can get in touch with True Sun at 573-442-7292. They can help you with any project you've got around your home, outside, inside, 
or I don't really know if there's an in-between, but if there's an in-between, they can do that too. So check out True Sun Exteriors. Uh, I will be back tomorrow morning with Sean Williams with our Tiger Tuesday recruiting show. I have a feeling we'll talk some Luther Burden, and we'll see you guys then. <laughs>